Okay, if you want to turn in your Bibles, we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 5 today. And we will be getting back into our established series with the week 5 of this. We had a little bit of a break with the community service and the Paulsons coming last week to bless us with um, what they're going to be doing in the missions field. Today, I want to be talking about walking with God. This, in my opinion, is one of the most powerful practices of the Christian life. And you might be thinking, we talk about a lot of powerful principles and all that. We've talked about prayer, we talk about the Bible, we've talked about serving. But now you're saying that this is one of the most powerful practices in the Christian life. Let me show you why this morning. Walking with God is something that is not just a nice thing to put on a card. Walking with God is powerful because it is going to help us to want to pray, to keep on praying, to keep in God's Word, to, to want to read it for ourselves. It's something that will keep you serving and will actually keep you applying what God is teaching us through all of this. And what we're going to talk about today is the, one of the most powerful practices that we can do in the Christian life. But it is also one of the um, practices that isn't talked about a whole lot. I want to talk to you this morning about walking with others so that we can learn to walk with God. How many people know that walking with others in life is powerful? We need each other. We need each other. None of us is a lone wolf. None of us wants to be the lone ranger. I remember a time in my life where I had not quite run away from home, but I decided at 16 years old it was time to, to strike out in the world. And, and I was living in some kind of really super ghetto apartment. It was a, a bedroom and a bathroom, and that was it. And I remember walking on Thanksgiving just walking the streets of Kenosha, I didn't have anywhere to go. I didn't have anybody to spend Thanksgiving with. I didn't have, I wasn't going to be like humble myself, of course, and go back home. I was just going to, you know, be on my own. And I found out being on my own is, is a rather lonely thing. Very lonely thing. And that's why the Bible tells us we should walk through life together. A cord of two or three strands is not easily broken, the Proverbs tells us. But at the same time, the opposite is also true. In life, nothing's going to hurt you more than other people at times. And we've all experienced that at some level. We get in fights with our friends. We get in fights with our spouses. We get in fights with our co-workers. And sometimes words are said that, that, that hit us right where we are and, and can hurt us a lot. That's why we need to walk with God by learning to walk with each other in a very authentic way. And it helps us practice everything else in the Christian life. So as we dive in here, this morning we're going to emphasize this. Walking with God always includes walking in humility with others. And we see this in a question that Jesus was asked about some, by some super religious people. 
If we were to paraphrase it, they asked Jesus, can you sum up everything in Scripture in one simple command? Jesus said, sure, I can do that for you. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And then he said, though, that the second is like it. He said, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. He said, all of the law, everything in the Old Testament, that big, thick part that we get into the Bible, everything in there, all of the law, all of the prophets hang on these two commandments. In other words, all of us need to love God with everything we've got and love others with everything we've got. And if we get these two things right, we get everything right with God. And Jesus didn't just spout off a religious saying. He didn't just say something and, and look wise and everybody went, wow. He just didn't do this. This is exactly how he lived. He lived loving God with all of his heart. He lived loving people as he loved himself. Jesus' life is all about relationships. When you read the Gospels, he's always surrounded by other people. In the end, all that matters is God and people. Even the cross was about God and people. I know you can't see it really well because it kind of blends in, but we have a cross up here. Jesus took care of the vertical relationship between God and man. That's what that beam represents to us as Christian, that connection between God and man. But you also know there's a cross beam there. And that's dealing with the relationships that we are to have with one another. We focus so much on that part of redemption that we forget that cross also has that horizontal focus. We need to have these relationships with one another. In other words, God is working his spirit into us. And the fruit of the Spirit comes out of us. And if you're going to walk with God, you have to learn to walk in humility with others. We can't actually walk with God without walking in humility with other people. Now we get to the central scripture of this morning. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning in verse 5. The second part of the verse, Peter writes, Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. He says, clothe yourselves with all humility. But he's not just talking about humility before God. Who's he talking about having humility toward here? Toward one another. This whole passage is about the other. He can, Peter continues when he said, For God opposes the, pro, the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all of your anxieties on him because he cares for you. But now he's going to give us a warning. In verse 8 he says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. And the idea here is to be on guard. And you ask why? Well, he tells us, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. He says, resist him, firm in your faith, 
knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. So we're to clothe ourselves with humility toward one another. And this is exactly why. Because God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humility is one of the chief virtues of the entire Christian life. And you say, well, why is humility so important? It's because all of the other virtues flow out of humility. We first have to humble ourselves before God to even be saved. We first have to kneel and say, God, I was wrong. I did what was wrong. I did what your, your word calls sin. And, and I'm sorry. And I ask for your forgiveness. That's, that's the humility that we're talking about here. We are not, if we are not, or we are not living a life that is pleasing to God without living a life of faith-fueled humility. Humility is right at the top. If we don't have humility, we have no power from God. If we have no humility, we're not going to have any life change. If you don't have humility in your life, it means you're playing for the wrong team. You're in opposition to God because his word plainly says here that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Now, this word humility is a big deal, but it's also very misunderstood. So what is humility? We're going to break it down into three main points this morning. And the first point is, is that humility is a choice. Peter just wrote that it's actually something we choose to put on. It's something we have to make a choice to be. Our natural inclination as human beings is to be prideful. It's to say, look at me, look at me, look what I have done. But that's not what the Bible prescribes for us. Peter tells us, all of you, Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. It's a choice. It's not just an emotion. It's a choice that we practice and put on ourselves. That's why the Bible says to clothe ourselves in Jesus Christ, the most humble person that ever lived. And a lot of people have this wrong idea about humility. They think that humility is about being timid. It's about being soft. It's about being uh, shy or not thinking much about yourself. But that's not the biblical definition of humility at all. Humility and timidity are not the same thing. You see, you can be very courageous, yet still be humble at the same time. In fact, I will say in this day of age of social media and, and getting the most clicks and the most likes and, and all these things that our society about, humility is going to be the courageous answer. Humility is what's going to show people Jesus Christ living inside of you. And, and you know, if you think about it, humility isn't just a Christian virtue. Humility shows who you are trusting in. It's a trust word. It's choosing to trust God and others with the real me. All of us have a face that we put on before the world. 
All of us don't want to get into it. You see somebody at Quick Trip and you're having the most horrible day in your life. You have a headache, your gout flared up, you're, you're, maybe you have troubles breathing or, or you're sick or, or you just had a major fight with somebody that you love and you're just having the most horrible day in your life and you run into one of us at Quick Trip and you say, hey, how you doing? Or say, yeah, I'm great. When you just feel like you want to crawl under a rock and die. It's humility is choosing to trust God with the real me. When we choose to trust God and others with the reality of who we are, it's showing that we actually trust Him and each other. Humility is actually how we receive love, if you think about it. It means you have to open yourself to someone else. The degree that I trust you is equal to the degree that I allow you to love me. Humility is how love is received. The only way to experience the real love of God and the real love of others is to be courageous enough, courageous enough to be the real you. My example earlier about being so prideful I had to leave home, I found this lesson earlier, very early in life. The more prideful you are, the more lonelier you will be. You may have this facade of who people think you are, but if it's an act, if it's not the real you, you just wind up lonely because you have no real connection with people. It's because people could be trying to love you, but they don't know the real you. They only know the facade you've put up. They're trying to love the image that you're presenting. In other words, they're trying to love something that doesn't even exist. And the only way to experience the real love of God and the real love of others is to be create, courageous enough to be the real you. And I know this is really different than what most of us practice in life or even in church. For many people, we go to church to pretend. Church is where you go to say, I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm good, brother. I'm good, sister. Hello. How are you doing? I'm fine. We're all fine. We're all good. And we all do this to a point, don't we? We're not 100% okay all the time, are we? It's okay not to be okay sometimes. It's okay to be able to show that to other people. It's okay not to be okay. But God says to trust Him and He'll make it okay. And this is also why the church exists, because we need each other. We need to share our burdens with one another. We need to be able to be real here in our church. You see, the church was designed to be a place where we get help in our time of need. I've said this quite a lot. Church is not a mausoleum of saints. It's a hospital for the sinner. It's a hospital where we introduce sinners to the great physician to fix them. The more we can be honest about who we are and what's going on in our lives and what we don't understand maybe about the Bible, about Christianity, about our faith, the more we can share in each other's struggles. 
And the more we are giving God an opportunity to heal us and change us and empower us for whatever it is we're experiencing in life, he can do that through other people. He can do that through you. He can do that by empowering you to speak into other people's lives. That's how the church is supposed to work. So can we just get rid of that idea that this is the place we go to put on our church face? The place we go to pretend? Church is where we need to be honest about what's going on in our lives so that we can get hope in our time of need. And that's why we're focusing on humility this morning. Humility, again, is about reality. Pride is about pretending. Humility is trusting God and others with what is really going on in your life. Let me give you a quick tool that I found that help you learn to practice and practice humility. Now this tool requires us to practice this in relationship with one another. Maybe you have a close friend here or somebody who doesn't go here. Or maybe you need to have a close friend to, to practice this with. It's a discipline called SOAP. It's an acronym. The S stands for Scripture. Scripture is what God's teaching you in the Bible. And you can do that in the context of friendship. What is God speaking to me in the Scriptures? Why is this important to do in relationship? To make sure we're right. Or maybe what God's teaching us in, in, in the Scripture is something you need to know. Or what he's teaching me is something I can share with you and vice versa. That's why we have a church community to teach us this truth of scriptures. And that's S. O is outreach. Is anyone in your life someone that, you, that needs prayer? Are you praying for anybody in your life? Maybe it's a neighbor, a co-worker, a child, a spouse. A, a, a beloved relative? Is there someone who needs to say yes to Jesus in your life? Has God laid them on their heart that they need to hear the saving truth about Jesus? Because one of the things that God wants us to do in our life is share our faith. To tell people why we are holding it together when the entire world seems to be falling apart. While we walked through that, that season a few months ago, maybe you had a dark season in your life, yet you seem to be able to walk through it. And, and now getting on the other side of it, how you were able to do it. You need to share that with other people. Maybe you need to intentionally befriend someone that you don't know. If you live in an apartment building, you see your neighbor picking up their mail, and you just see on their face that they're just going through it right now. Maybe you need to reach out to them. Ask God for these opportunities, and he will send them to you. A is for accountability. Again, one of the re reasons the church exists is to help hold us accountable. And when we say accountable, you're thinking, oh, Oh, the pastor's going to start throwing penalty flags at my life. He's going to start going, hell, you're doing that, you're doing that. We're not, talking about, we're not talking about spiritual Olympics here. We're not talking about who can be the better Christian. We're simply saying that if we know we have a struggle, to be open enough and humble enough to share that with one another. Because we don't want to start sliding backwards toward the world. We want to keep walking forward in our relationship with God. 
That's what the accountability is. It's just helping us to continue our walk forward in our relationship with God. And P is for prayer. Just praying for each other. But you can't really pray about a person if you don't know them. And they can't pray for you if they don't know you. Back in the 1990s, if anybody was, was in the church, you heard about the organization called Promise Keepers. And we had the seven promises of a promise keeper, and we would go through them. And it dealt with things like integrity, sexual purity, all these kind of things. And we would go through in, in men's groups and ask, you know, how are you doing in each one of these areas? And we'd list the areas out. And the last question was, did you just lie to me in any of these seven questions? Why do we lie? Just think about that for a moment. Because we're afraid of people knowing the truth. We're ashamed of the truth. But this is exactly why the devil has access into our lives. Because we're scared to, for people to know the truth. And if you're lying and hiding your struggles, you're leaving the door wide open for the enemy to run rampant all over you. Prayer in the context of deep, trusting relationships is saying, let me pray for you in your struggles. Let me help you ask God to help you overcome them. Let me help you in this. Not let you be a lone ranger and lonely and ripe for the enemy's attack. That's why this soap tool is a great tool to use in our relationship. If you apply this, I believe God will explode in your life. One quick caveat. Trust only happens up close and over times. In the beginnings, if, you're, if you decide that you're going to enter into this kind of relationship with a person, it might be a little awkward at first. I remember when I tried to leave, lead uh, devotionals at home, it was really awkward. You know, the girls were giggling, Tammy's rolling her eyes. It's like, can't we go watch TV or something? It, it, it's going to be awkward. But if you just push through that, you will develop a relationship with that other person that, that will stand the test of time and really help you grow in the Lord. Point number two. Humility invites God's love to work in my life. Peter says, humble yourself under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up. Cast all your anxiety because, on him because he cares for you. Remember what we said before. Pride is about pretending. But humility is about reality. Jesus came to save us, not just from what, what will happen in the hereafter. He didn't just to save us from heaven and hell. It's a very big deal. I mean, that's, when we think about what Jesus did, we think about he saved us from eternity in a very bad place, and that's a good thing. But he also came to save us in the here and now, to help us in our lives. Remember, we've already established, I'm not okay 100% of the time. You're not okay 100% of the time. All of us have stuff in our lives that is not okay. But you won't heal 
of it by ignoring it. The Bible calls this walking in the light. And we have to step out of the denial that we have, that we don't want to admit that that stuff is in our lives. Stop ignoring it. Bring it into the light with God and others so that you can get help in your time of need. It invites God's love and power to begin to work in your life. You know, God knows everything already that you're ashamed of, but he still loves you as you are. Not as you should be, because none of us right now on this planet are as we should be. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. He loves you no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what has been done to you. He loves you. You know what humility really is? It's in essence saying, this is the real me. I'm not proud of everything I've done. I'm not proud of everything I do. I'm not excited about it. But would you love me anyway? Would you love me if every single sin I committed in the last week was shown on that screen? Even if I wanted to crawl underneath the stage and, and start burrowing toward China, would you still love me? Because you know what? When I ask that of God, he says yes. We should do that with each other. Point number three. And this point is an interesting one. Humility protects us from being eaten. You're thinking, that sounds a little weird, but let me explain it. Your Bible says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. The Bible says the devil is like a lion roaming around wanting to eat people. Do you know how a lion hunts? Now, if you're a guy lion, you have it made. You don't do anything. Females do all the work. And all the ladies in the church said, amen, right? <laughs> Seriously, female lions, they do all the work. Male lions are, are pretty lazy, actually. They do all the hunting. They do all the child rearing. They do everything. And what will happen is in Africa, when these lions are running around, they'll be chasing these animals. And the animals know their only hope is to get into some brush where the, the female lions can't find them. So this gazelle, they're chasing this gazelle, and it's running for its life, finds some bramble bush, and, and runs into the middle of it. And the female lions will circle, and they'll growl and everything else at this, at this gazelle, and they can't get to it. So one of the female lions goes over, and hey, Hey, male lion, get up for a minute. We need your help. Male lion just lumbers to his feet, walks over there, looks around, goes at them. Have you ever actually heard, not on TV, but maybe even in a zoo, a male lion roar? That's some scary stuff right there. I mean, if you're bound up from eating too much Wisconsin cheese, that will fix it. It is that scary. I mean, it just hits you at your core. And that, that gazelle hears that roar and freaks out and runs away from the very thing protecting it. And the female lions are able to pounce and destroy it. That's the devil's roar. That is why he roars. And you know what he roars with? Lies. He tells you lies. 
Jesus called Satan the father of all lies. And lies are the source of how he roars. Things like, maybe after you've done something you shouldn't, Satan will say, yep, told you, you're a hypocrite. God's never going to love you. You'll never make it as a Christian. Might as well just quit going to church. Might as well just quit hanging out with Christians. Just do what you want. Maybe nobody wants to be your friend. Why are you going to try to befriend somebody at church? Nobody wants to be your friend. Or maybe that person you just saw that looks like they're going through H-E double hockey sticks in their life. They just look like they need a friend. The devil will whisper, you don't have time for this. You don't have time for that person. One of the biggest lies of the devil is he'll tell you, you can't be honest with God. He doesn't want to hear all that stuff. He only wants to hear the good stuff. It's all lies. And lies keep you from getting help in your time of need. That's why when we don't practice humility, we're like that gazelle losing that protective covering of the church. And it makes you vulnerable, not only to the roar of the lion, but the attack of the lion. That's why when we practice humility and we are open with one another, it keeps us from being eaten. It keeps us from being destroyed by the lies of the enemy. Let's all rise. I just want to challenge us this morning to learn to practice humility in our lives. To be able to trust one another with being open. Because guess what? All of us are hot messes on our best day. So Father, I ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit search us and know us this morning. I ask, Father, that you pour your spirit into us and heal the lies of the enemy. Deafen us to his voice, Lord. Let us only hear your Holy Spirit. Create within us, Lord, a hunger to know you more, a hunger to be authentic, a hunger, Lord, to let Jesus come in and reshape our hearts, our minds, our attitudes, and our very lives, Lord. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for the truth we find in your word. And I ask, Father, that you help us to use it this week to show Jesus to someone who desperately needs to meet him. Father God, I bless your people now. And I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Thank you for coming this morning. We'll see you next week.